In the following live session recording, Lane Lowry, spiritual formation pastor with Warren Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, leads a session entitled Personal Growth of the Leader. John Maxwell states, everything rises and falls on leadership. And as leaders, we feel the weight of this reality each week. Most of us would probably admit that while serving others, it's easy to neglect our own spiritual care and well-being. In this session, the listener will hear key strategies for personal spiritual health and growth and how to implement them into our daily lives. Let's join Lane now. Well, it's really good to be with you, and I I, uh, appreciate you being here. I mean, by you saying yes to this, obviously you said no to something else, you know, that you could be doing on a Saturday afternoon. So thank you for that. This is Investing in the Kingdom. And I'm so grateful uh, for that. So grateful for you. I want to tell you a little bit about myself, and I'd love to l- learn a little bit about you. It won't take a whole long time, but I'd love to get to know who I'm who I'm talking with today. As John said, I'm Lane Lowry, spiritual formation. I'm his counterpart. I'm the minister of education. We call it spiritual formation. Pastor at Warren Baptist Church. I've been there well over 13 years. Prior to that, I was at First Baptist Church in Daytona Beach, and then prior to that, I was uh, I spent 13 years as a high school football coach and teacher, and thought I was going to do that forever. Hey, man, come on in. As I said, uh, prior to uh, the Lord calling me to full-time vocational ministry, I was uh, taught high school and coached football and weightlifting in Florida is where I'm originally from. Went on staff at First Baptist Daytona, and the rest of the story is, is here, here I am. Here. Let me ask you this. Uh, um, we got staff people, and we've got lay people in here, but we're all in ministry. I mean, it's, 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 all, it's all kingdom work. We're all in this thing together. We can't coexist without <coughs> each other, and so I'm so grateful we're all in the room together. Let me ask you. What are some of some of uh, your greatest challenges as a leader? What are some of your greatest challenges as a leader? Keeping everybody on the same page. Yep, that's good. Agreed. Getting your church people to come. Yeah. And break the laws down. They easy to come to a meeting. Mm-hmm. They easy to come to a men's ministry breakfast to hear somebody speak. Yeah. But I'm on outreach. I'm on evangelism. Let's knock the walls down and go outside into a lost and dying world. That's where it shuts off. There you go. That's where it catches people right there. Good. Living it out. Living on mission. Good. Getting everybody on the same page. Living on mission. What else? You have any? What else? What are some of your leadership challenges? Pastor, how about you? I mean, I think there's many, but just dealing with different personalities in the church and trying to manage. Um, let's stay on this goal, but we have all of these different personalities and viewpoints. And um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I uh, at, at Warren, I'm blessed to have a, a, a large staff that I work with. Um, I, as the Minister of Education, Spiritual Formation Pastor, I oversee uh, from bed babies all the way up to our most mature adult, senior adult uh, group. But I have, I'm blessed to have ministers and directors that, that I oversee, about a team of about 14. Um, and so um, uh, managing that team is, is, is a big job. And as, as I wrote down some of the, some of the things that um, I, I thought about, some of my greatest challenges, as leaders, we tend to spend our time helping our team. That's what we're supposed to do. We spend our time helping our team. You know, we, we spend time, at least I do, I'm sure many of you do as well. When I say team, I'm talking, I, I have the, uh, the, the joy of, of, of working with a with paid ministerial staff team. But as, as lay leaders, you're working with teams of people as well. And, and as, as you know, like, like the, you're the student pastor there, you're working with a whole group of lay people. Fantastic. But I, I know I spend a lot of my time 
helping them solve their problems. I don't let them give me the monkey. You know, they, they, a lot of times they want to, you know, they give they want to give me the monkey, but I, I try to make sure I give them back the monkey. But the point is, I, I want to be there to help them solve their problems. I, I do. I believe that's part of my role. Um, I spend a lot of my time um, trying to equip them for all that they've got coming at them. Uh, I spend, I, I try to spend a lot. I have the gift of exhortation as one of my spiritual evangelism and exhortation. Brother, you and I get along really well. I want you to know that. Uh, I'll share the gospel with a stump. Uh, if, I, if I need to. Um, encouraging them. I want to encourage my people because the ministry is hard and you're all in it. I mean, you understand it is hard. Somebody even said that. Uh, I spend a lot of my time, I, got, I do evaluations and I evaluate them. I want to help them. I want to coach them. I spend a lot of my time challenging them. I want them to be better for the kingdom. I spend a lot of my time making sure everyone and everything is taken care of. And I know many of you do as well. I think about you as the pastor. Good night. It's all, and you know, I, I always, that's why I always talk to my pastor. I know how, I've got a big job. I do. And I think to him all the time, my goodness, can't imagine. Can't imagine being the overseer. And I'm so grateful for him. I'm so grateful for him. Well, because as leaders, we understand that the buck stops with us. I mean, it does. Buck stops with you. I mean, whatever you're overseeing those ministry, the buck stops with you. And so, therefore, it's important that we, uh, um, um, again, at the, at the end of that, buck stops with us. And as I shared with you guys at the beginning, I spent uh, 13 years as a high school teacher and football coach. And so I made my living off getting uh, 15, 16, and 17-year-old boys to come together as a team and perform on a field on Friday night. And when the game was over, win or, win or lose, the newspaper wanted to interview me because the buck stopped with me. I was the coach. I was the coach. So whether how we performed on the field, I could have coached them up the very best. I could have had them. I could have had them prepared, and I could have done everything that I could humanly do. And they could go out there and lay an egg, and they didn't get interviewed. I got interviewed because I was the I was the guy. And that's okay. I understood that because at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. And as leaders, especially leaders in the church, we've been, we, we have a great responsibility to bear. Regardless of what your role is in there, if you're in ministry, as what John prayed, we know the devil's out to get us. I mean, it, it, there's no question about it. And we have a great responsibility to, to, to bear. That's not a complaint. I am humbled and I am grateful that God called me to this. I never dreamt I would be doing this. I mean, I was, I was going and blowing, coaching, and, and thinking this is what I was supposed to be doing. Then all of a sudden, he turned the, the corner, and I am so grateful that he would give me the, the, the ability to do this. It's an honor and a privilege to serve the local church. It, it truly is. But it's hard sometimes. I mean, it, it is. Uh, it's, it's, you know, because as John said, the devil's out to get us. We realize that the battle is the hottest at the front lines. And guess what, y'all? You're on it. If you're in ministry, if you're investing in other people's lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are on the front lines. And friends, on the front lines, the battle is always the hottest. The enemy, the enemy would love to see us frustrated. He loves it when we're frustrated. He loves to see us overwhelmed. You ever get overwhelmed? I know I do sometimes. I know we all, we all probably all do. He, he, he loves to see us get angry. You know, Christians get angry sometimes. You know, Christians sometimes don't do the right thing. Yeah. He, loves, he would love to see us be exasperated. He would love to see us fail. He'd love to see us have a, have a moral failure, ultimately. Because you know what? He wants, to st he wants to put us out of ministry. That's what the devil wants to do. That's the enemy that we're facing. That's exactly what he would love to see. Well, we can't allow that to happen. According to uh, an article I read recently in... Um, oh, I guess if I turned it on, it helped. An article that I read uh, recently in Christianity Today, which shared statistics from a LifeWay research where they polled 1,500 pastors of, of evangelical and historically black churches, found that 84% of pastors 
And you can put, if you're not a pastor, you can put it, you're a lay person. Every, 84%, I believe, of people in ministry, but pastors say that they're on call 24 hours a day. You ever feel that way, brother? I know you do. I know. Uh, 80% expect conflict in their church. Seriously? You ever conflict? Yeah. 54% find the role of pastor frequently overwhelming. I'm not the senior pastor, but I find my job overwhelming at times because you know what? God's given me a great stewardship and I want to be the best steward I can be. 53% are, are often concerned about their family's financial security. 48% often feel the demands of ministry are more than they can handle. 21% say their church has unrealistic expectations of them. Whether you're the senior pastor, or ministry staff, or a lay leader, you can probably, probably relate to each of these as together we share the weight of ministry. Uh, the reasons I share these statistics is not to discourage us from continuing on in ministry, but to encourage us to make our personal growth and well-being a priority. Your personal in, uh, growth and well-being uh, a priority. When we do this, especially or as leaders of ministry, we probably have a tendency to put our needs last and neglect our own spiritual growth and care. But when we do this over a long period of time, we're eventually going to burn out and break down. You know, it's kind of like that, uh, that check engine light that comes on your car. You know, you can ignore it for only so long. And at some point, if you don't get it fixed, if you don't pause and get it fixed, it's going to be a problem. And the longer you wait, it's probably going to be more costly. You know, if you just ignore that, if you, you've ever seen that commercial where the lady puts the sticker over it so she didn't have to look at it? If, if we put the sticker over it, it's going to be costlier when, when we do have to, to, to pay up, if you will. I uh, share with you that I served at First Baptist Daytona Beach uh, before I came to Warren, and my pastor there was Dr. Bobby Welch, and I love Brother Bobby. Good, good man, great man. And, and I was um, in his office one day, and he said, sit down, son, I need to talk to you. Brother Bobby, he was quite a bit older than I was, and he knew I was new into ministry, and he said, son, I, I want to tell you something. He said, there's three things that only you can take care of. There's three things that only you have full responsibility over. No one else can do these three things for you. And he said, um, those three things were one, your, he said, your physical well-being. He said, only you have total control over your physical well-being. What he meant by that was, Brother Bobby grew up and he was a college athlete and, and he knew I, I had played, I played small college football up in West Virginia. He knew I, I liked fitness and what have you. But he said, bottom line, at the end of the day, you know, we, we have total responsibility over our, over our physical well-being. He said at whatever age he was at that point, he said, nobody is asking me, am I, did I go out for a walk today? No one's asking me, am I, am I eating properly? No one's asking me, am I taking care of myself physically? So I, I say to you as well, you have full responsibility over your physical well-being. And bottom line, if you don't keep up with it, at some point, that check engine light's going to come on. And if you don't take care of it, at some point, it's going to turn into worse and, 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 and you're not going to be able to perform as, as you should. So at the end of the day, it's vital that we understand that, that we have 100% control over our physical well-being. How I eat, do I exercise, do I get plenty of rest and sleep? And we're going to talk about some of those things in just a moment. The second thing he said, not only do I have 100% responsibility over my physical well-being, I have 100% responsibility over my financial well-being. You know, nobody makes me save money. Nobody keeps me from going into debt. I have total responsibility over that. I, I, I've, got, I've got to discipline myself so that I am in control of my finances. And we're going to talk a little more in depth about that here in just a little bit. 
So uh, my, my retirement, that's on me. I mean, I'm grateful that the church, you know, does help us with some things. But at the end of the day, if I'm not keeping up with that, if I'm not, uh, pu- you know, putting money aside for the, you know, for the future, when, it, when I get to the end of it, it's only my fault. So not only do I have total responsibility over my physical well-being, I have total responsibility over my financial well-being. I also have total responsibility over my spiritual well-being. My pastor doesn't knock on my door and come and say, Lane, did you have your quiet time today? Lane, are you reading your Bible? Are you studying the scriptures? No, I, that's one hundred percent my my job. That's my my That's your responsibility. You you have that responsibility. God has placed you in roles of leadership. Praise the Lord that He's done that. And at the end of the day, you have total responsibility over your spiritual well being. Are you spending time with the Lord? Are you proactively seeking after Him? Are you out telling other people about Jesus? Therefore, if we're going to be effective leaders, it's important that we make our personal growth and well being a priority. We need to develop and implement an ongoing strategy that will help us to refill our tanks and help us to thrive. I want to thrive physically, or excuse me, physically, financially, and spiritually. It is vital that we create space in our lives and schedules for preventative maintenance on our inner and outer engines, or it could be a costly repair. My pastor shared a statistic, and I don't want to share it because I'll probably get it wrong, but it was staggering this Sunday in the message as as he was preaching how many pastors leave the ministry every month. I mean, it was enormous how many people leave the ministry each month. I mean, ridiculous. I, it, it, was, it, was, it was scary. But at the end of the day, so that's why it's so, it's so vital because, again, you are on the front lines of the battle. If we're not taking care of ourselves um, physically, uh, financially, and spiritually, the enemy is going to try to get after us. Let's begin with our physical well-being. Le- leading can be very taxing on our bodies as we often work long hours and at times in stressful situations, it's important that we are physically fit to withstand the rigors of leadership. Let's talk about what the Scripture says about that. It does talk about our physical well-being in the Scriptures. It says, or in 1 Corinthians, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Uh, John, Third uh, John 2, uh, it says, uh, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. And of course, the First Timothy passage says, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, obviously, it emphasizes the spiritual well-being, but it does say your physical training is of some value. So there's no question about that. The Lord wants us to take care of these physical bodies that He's given. Because if we break down, we can't be all that we can be for Christ. And that's what He wants us to be. In order to optimize our physical well-being, I believe there's three areas that I want to talk to you guys about today. We're going to get into the, to, to the spiritual here at the very end. But in our physical well-being, I want to talk to you guys about exercise, diet, and sleep. Um, when we look at the first one, sleep, uh, according to the National Heart and Lung, uh, Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, sleep plays a vital role in good health and well-being throughout your life. Getting enough quality sleep at the right times can help protect your, yourself, mental, your mental health, your physical health, your quality of life, and safety. There's no question about that. It says that sleep helps your brain to work properly. 
says, while you're sleeping, your brain is uh, preparing for the next day. It's forming new pathways to help you learn and remember uh, information. They went on to say, that says, sleep plays an important role in your physical health. For example, sleep is involved in, in healing and, and repair of your heart and blood vessels. I highlighted this section here. It says, ongoing sleep deficiency is linked to an increased risk of heart disease, kidney disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, and stroke. Says getting enough quality sleep at the right times helps you function well throughout the day. Says people who are sleep deficient are less listen are less productive at work and school. They take longer to finish tasks and have a slower reaction time and make more mistakes. Right here it says um, it, it kind of gives us some some um, how much sleep is enough some hours of, of of sleep. Now for most of us in here, I would guess we're probably down here under this uh, age eighteen or older. These little guys are, are are up here somewhere. But you see right down here it says that if you're an adult age 18 or over, you ought to get seven to eight hours of sleep a day. Seven to eight hours of sleep a day. Who in here gets seven to eight hours of sleep a day? Anybody? Good for you. My wife does too, man. It's amazing. So that one hand. I know. And the thing is, if we continue that on and on and on, it's going to have a, a negative uh, a dividend. It's going to pay a negative dividend. Remember when you were in kids, you, when you were a kid, you had a bedtime. I'm reckoning y'all probably got bedtimes for them. What time is it? 7.30. They're in bed at 7.30. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> Unless it's church night. I understand. But, but bottom line, mom and dad make sure these little guys are in bed at 7.30. You know? Why? Why is that? Why do you do that? Because when they're in bed, we say, Praise Amen. I remember, <laughs> hey, I remember those days. I've got a 23 and a 26-year-old, but I remember when they're that, that age. But, but also because they're, they're cranky the next well, day. Well, sure they are. Yeah. They, they need, and you can see with their ages how, much, how many hours of sleep they need. And so at the end of the day, obviously you put them to bed because y'all want to have some time together. That's perfect because now that's rejuvenating for yourself. But at the end of the day, we've got to get ourselves to sleep. And that's what I talked about at the very beginning when we talked about our physical well-being. Only we have total control over that. I am a a 53-year-old man. I can go to bed whenever I want to go to bed. But if I stay up too late and I got to get up and perform the next day, it doesn't work that well. It doesn't. So I've got to set bedtimes for myself, and I've got to be disciplined to do that. And when I do, I'm grateful I did. When I do get, you know, six or seven, I average about six hours of sleep a night, and, I, and I'm working to try to get better at that. I get up very early because that's when I do my Bible study because um, that's when I'm, 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 a, I'm a morning person. Then I go to the gym after that. But my point is that, so what i got to do, if I want to get up at X amount of time, i got to go go back and figure out what time i got to go to bed so I can get the optimal amount, uh, amount of hours of sleep. So therefore, I need to turn the TV off. I need to put the phone away. I need to take all the distractions out of there, don't I? And now my wife doesn't come up to me and say, now, honey, it's time for go to bed and it's your bedtime. No, she doesn't do that. She goes on to bed. But I, so therefore, I've got to discipline myself to make sure I'm getting adequate amounts of rest. And guys and ladies, if we don't do that, it's going to come back and get us at some point. So we are all adults in here. So therefore, I know there are a lot of times when you get home, you've had a busy day and, and you just want to just kind of relax. Well, relax, but turn the lights out and go to bed. Turn the TV off. Put your phone away. So that you have uninterrupted rest because it's vital that you do that. The, uh, the next step is, is eating a healthy diet. Um, there, there's a, the saying is true, you are what you eat. And there's no doubt about it. I recently read an article in Inc. Magazine titled, It's True, You Are What You Eat. A healthy diet is an important part of being a good leader. Just how important you might be surprised. Uh, in this article right here, it says the opening paragraph states for entrepreneurs uh, states for entrepreneurs eating isn't just about satisfying hunger. So so 
uh, so say the growing ranks of nutrition experts who specialize in fine-tuning fine the, the, the metabolic performance of business leaders. You're like an athlete in the workplace, says Richard Chavez, the CEO of ComPsych, a Chicago-based provider of corporate wellness and employee assistance programs. So you should eat like an athlete. You are all athletes in this room. You are all athletes for the kingdom of God. So therefore, you got to eat like an athlete. Athletes don't live on Crystal Burgers and, and Dunkin' Donuts. They don't. I guess some of them do, but they don't probably can't perform the way they should perform. You are an athlete. We got to treat our bodies like we're athletes because there's so much work out there to be done for God's kingdom. So therefore, we've got to be ready for when that time comes. Now, uh, a simple way to, to move towards a healthier diet is by following these. These, these are eight simple steps. These are eight simple steps. At the end of the day, we can do this. You can get plenty of sleep. You can discipline yourself to where you're going to go. If you need to go to bed at, at 9.30, you can do that. Just do it. If you do it for, uh, what do they say? If you do something for 21 days, it becomes a habit. Try it for 21. Just try it for a day. I promise you, you'll feel better when you do. And the next step is when you really start paying attention to your, to your nutrition. Cook your own food. When you cook your own food, you know, you know exactly what you're getting. You do. Next is, is reading the nutrition label. Pause for a moment and read what you're putting into your body. This is the body that God gave you. And He wants you to be all that you can be for His kingdom and for His glory. So therefore, we need to take care of ourselves. So cook your own food. Read the nutrition label. Eat whole foods. That's just unprocessed foods. Uh, uh, lots of... You know, um, Bottom line, that's, that's just foods without all those additives. It's, it, they're free from the additives and, and artificial substances. Avoid processed foods. Eat balanced meals. Get your protein, carbs, and, and, and fats all in line. Limit the added fats, salts, and sugar that you put into your body. You know, I'm 53. I have to eat differently than, I was, than when I was 33 or 23. I mean, I do. I have to. And so, therefore, it's important that we keep, uh, keep track of what we're doing. Eat five to six meals a day. Smaller meals kind of graze throughout the day so that you don't find yourself... How many, how many in here don't eat breakfast? Shame on you if you don't. Come on, y'all. That's the most important meal of the day. You need to start right with some good protein so you're satiated throughout the day. It's vitally important that you do that. But, but seriously, if we can eat three to five times smaller meals quality foods, it'll carry you through so that you can be all that you can be for God's kingdom. And then next, don't drink your calories. Okay, be careful to drink those high sugar drinks. Water is fantastic. It's great for you. And there's other things out there that you can drink that doesn't have uh, all the extra calories and all the extra sugars in it. At the end of the day, friends, little changes can go a long way. I'm throwing a whole bunch of stuff at you. Seriously, it's, it, when it, by the time you're done, you're going to feel like you've been drinking out of a fire hydrant today. But here's the deal. If you'll just take away one thing from what I'm talking about today, and if you'll just implement one small step, it could be I'm going to go to bed an hour earlier than I normally go to bed. Or I'm going to, I'm going to really watch what I eat for one meal. Man, that's, that's a step in the right direction. That's a step in the right direction. So again, I have 100% control over my physical well-being. Now, obviously, if the Lord inflicts me with something, you know, okay, that's it. But I'm going to take care of myself the best that I can so that if I do get inflicted with something, I can try to stay the course as, as, as long as possible. So our next step, as we think about my physical well-being, because that's what we're talking about, because I have 100% responsibility over my physical well-being, our next step is exercise. The benefits of exercise are enormous, enormous. If we'll just invest 30 minutes a day in an exercise routine, we can improve our health and well-being. Some of the benefits of, of exercise, there's weight loss. There's, you know, weight, um, an exercise program reduces stress. 
I tell you, man, I, I, I can't imagine not being able to get into the gym and sweat. And, and I love to, to run and I like to lift weights. I've had multiple shoulder surgeries, so it's harder for me to lift weights now, but I, I still enjoy it. I can't lift much, but I get in there and do it. But it does re reduce stress. Um, it says here, it says relieves symptoms of depression and anxiety. It does. It reduces the risk of heart disease. You know, exercise increases energy. It's the whole sowing and reaping thing. I mean, if I'll sow energy, I'm going to reap energy. There's no doubt about it. It does improve your sleep. It strengthens your heart and your lungs, and it improves confidence. There's no doubt about it. We probably, every one of us already knew this. I'm probably not telling you anything you didn't know and you've never heard before. I'm, I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm probably sure of that. The deal is, how do you start? I mean, if, if, if you're not already doing something, how do you begin? H how do I begin? You know, the easiest thing to do is go for a walk. I mean, seriously. I mean, you can just go for a walk. Say, tomorrow, I agree. Say, tomorrow, right after church, after church, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm just going to go take 15 minutes and just start go going for a walk. That's a great way to get started. And say, you know what, I'm going to try to go for a walk three times this week. If you're not doing anything right now, if you'll just, if you'll just get a little extra, extra sleep, if you'll just kind of watch what you're doing with your diet, at least one meal a day, try to watch what you're doing, and if, 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 if you'll start some sort of extra, if you'll just get moving. Well, you say, well, I, I, you know, I'd really rather ride my bike. Go for a bike ride. That's great. Go for a bike ride. You can join a gym. Join a gym. There's plenty of gyms out there. We're blessed at Warren. We've got a, uh, we call it the Family Life Center. We've got a gym right there uh, at our church. So I'm blessed. I go there in the morning and I work out and I walk upstairs to my office. It's, it's, I, I have no excuse. No excuse. I mean, none. You know? But there's gyms everywhere. And you know what? There's gyms that open 24 hours a day. So, you know, you say, well, I just don't have the time. Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah you've got the time. You just got to choose to use it. Well, you know, really, you do. You can join a gym. You say, well, that's fine, Lane. If I joined a gym, I would have no idea what to do. Well, you can hire a personal trainer. They're everywhere. I mean, they really are. And they'll help you. And they're not that expensive. And, and just say, you know, get, get, them, get, get, get them to help you and say, look, I don't know what I'm doing. Would you, would you help me develop the program? And then when they help you develop the program, thank them and then be on with it. Then, then follow, follow the program. Honestly, often the hardest part of an exercise program is just getting started. Just getting started. As with everything we talked about today, with your, with your sleep, with your diet, and with your, with your exercise, you just got to get to a place where you're saying, you know what, I'm going to draw the line. This is it. I'm going to draw. I'm going to start doing something. I'm going to take some small steps. I think a lot of times the, the, the problem that we do is we try to go from zero to 120 miles an hour. And, and oftentimes we fail. Just go from zero to 10 and get started. And then go from 10 to 20. And then from 20 to 100. And then from 100 to whatever. My point is you just got to get started. Start making small changes because at the end of the day, guys, if we don't take care of our physical well-being, um, we're not going to be able to be all that we can be for Christ and His kingdom. And no one is going to make us do that. My wife doesn't set the alarm for me and wake me up and say, Honey, it's time for you to get up to go have your quiet time and then go to the gym. She doesn't do that. She doesn't. It's, it's on me. I don't do that for her. My pastor, like I said, doesn't stop by my office and say, Lane, are, are, you, are, how you, are you eating right? Are you, are you taking care of yourself? Because I need you because i got a lot of stuff for you to do. He doesn't do that. It's my responsibility. Well, this covers our physical well-being. Now let's talk about our financial well-being. Let me ask you this. Um, 
Have you ever thought about the fact that there are, are 500 Bible verses pertaining to the topics of faith and prayer, and yet there are 2,350 Bible verses on money? Why? Why do you think that's true? What do you think? Such a reflection of our heart. Yeah. Such a reflection of where our, our idols are and our what we really value. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. You know, let's look what the Scriptures say. And you hit it, Pastor. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, I think our financial health and well-being, or when I think about our financial health and well-being, I think of four things. I think about tithing. I think about debt. I think about retirement. I think about generosity. Um, when we think about, uh, when we look at tithing, obviously we know the Scriptures from Malachi. It says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You know, as ministers and leaders in the church, we should be setting the pace with our tithing and giving. We should, we, we should set the pace for that. As those of us who are, who are blessed enough uh, to be on staff of a church, as vocational ministers, you know what, we make our living off the generosity of other people. How can we not be generous? How can we not be generous? I talk to my staff about that all the time. You know, uh, um, And God bless you folks who are in this place who are lay leaders. Thank you so much for what you do. We could not do what we were called to do if you didn't do what you were called to do. And I share with my staff team all the time how important it is that we honor our lay people, that we take care of our lay people. Because you know what? We, we, we ask of our lay people, we ask them to come to, 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 to the church, we ask them to come to the church, to find a place to serve, and then pay to do that. As you give your tithes and your offerings, you're giving it to, 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 for, for the mission of what God's called that church to do. So we are so very grateful for that. So as ministers and staff people, we should be even that much more generous, if you will. I do quite a bit of premarital counseling uh, for young couples. And I, one of the things I always talk to them about is, is, is their financial well-being and the whole tithing piece of that. I know when I was a very young man, um, I, I came to know Christ later on um, be, be, um, in my, when my wife and I we were young married. And, um, and, and we both got saved relatively in, in a close proximity of time, got connected to a church and really changed everything. That's why I'm so passionate about the, the ministry of the church and especially small groups. I mean, it was through the small group ministry that, that our lives radically changed. My wife and I both came from dysfunctional backgrounds. We had no... Um, uh, we, we didn't know what a godly parent looked like. We didn't have one. I didn't have a godly dad or a mom, nor did she. And so when we got married, we were together. We got saved and got connected into a Bible study, uh, a, a Sunday school, a young married Sunday school. And Dr. Bob and Danella Nipper, they poured into us. And they, and they really taught us. And they taught us and, and discipled us. But anyway, long story short, is my wife came to the whole tithing thing before I did. And she came to me and said, Honey, i got to talk to you about something. You know, we were tipping God. I was tipping God every Sunday. You know what I'm saying? And I thought that was enough. And she said, Lane, as I read the scriptures, and of course our, our pastor was preaching on tithing, uh, it really convicted my wife's heart. And she said to me, she said, Honey, uh, we need to give 10% of our income. And I said, Say that again? She said, We need to give 10% of our income, uh, of our gross income. Whew. I tell you, I, I, I had a hard time coming to that. I said, Do you realize 
and we don't make a lot of money. I was a school teacher. She was a school teacher. We, we made two t school teachers' salary. But when at, tw at 23, 24 years old, two teachers' salaries, it wasn't a lot. But what she was asking us to do was, was what I thought was exorbitant. I said, honey, that's a car payment. She said, yeah. Well, we did it. And, and you know what? And the, and the Lord convicted my heart as well. And I'm so glad he did. So long story short, when I counsel young couples now, I tell I call it what I call the 10-10-80 principle. I said, what you need to do, guys, y'all need to come together on this. You need to settle on this. You need to give God the first 10%. It's all his anyway. Well, we know that. I know I'm preaching to the choir. It's all his anyway. But you give God the first 10%. You give yourself the second 10%, meaning you save 10%, and you live on the 80%. And you live on the 80%. That's called living below your means. And I encourage my kids to do the same thing as I was counseling them uh, before their, their, their marriages. Uh, marriage. My son's not married yet. Um, um, and and I, I counsel those young... And I counsel anybody that... Or I'll counsel anyone who, who asks. At, at, at 53 years old, I need to be doing the same thing. And I'm praise the Lord. I'm at a place where I'm able to give beyond the tithe, and 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 we're able to save and and, and do that. But it didn't start like that way back, you know, thirty some years ago when I was 23. So I share with them that if you'll if you'll do that, if you'll live below your means, um, then 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 bottom line, that's going to take an entire bit of stress out of your marriage. You know how many marriages fail because of financial issues? How, how many things you know they go awry because of that? It's exorbitant. So at the end of the day, uh, I, I challenge them, and I challenge us in here today to live below our means. To live below our means. The next step of our financial well-being is debt. Obviously, it says debt is, is a state of being under obligation to pay or repay someone or something in return for something received. Um, debt is something that we must all be careful with. I recently read an article by Art Rayner, and it was titled, What Does the Bible Say About Debt? He, said, he shared three principles concerning debt that I thought were really helpful. He says, be cautious about going into debt. He says, if you do go into debt, you will be burdened. It says, even though you hate the burden, you must, you still must pay, pay your bills. Now, at the end of the day, I can't stand here today and tell you that I, my, my home mortgage is paid off. I do. I have home mortgage debt. But I'm very, I try to be very cautious in what debt I go into. I read a, a statistic just last week. It says, the average, now listen to this, the average American has $38,000 in debt excluding their mortgage. Excluding their mortgage. That is, that's bondage, y'all. That is bondage. And the Lord doesn't want us to be in bondage. He does not want us to be in bondage to debt. So it's vital that we, that we do the best that we can to try to keep ourselves out of debt. Next is retirement. It goes back to that 10, 10, 80 principle. I, I preach that to myself all the time. I'm, you know, again, I, I know the Bible never talks about retirement, but and I'm never going to retire. So there's going to be a, a time that I won't get up and go to the church house every day. I'm going to get up and go wherever else he wants me to go, but I know that I won't always be an on-staff paid minister. But I want to be at a place that, that I have enough money put away so that I can go do whatever it is he wants, what else he, whatever else he is he wants me to do. I mean, I, I don't see my, I mean, until I go you know, graduate to heaven, and then I, I won't, probably won't retire up there either. Who knows? But the point is, is that I need to preach that to my Myself as well, and this is totally my responsibility. This is totally your responsibility. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we've got to be faithful to the tithe. That's first and foremost. We've got to be faithful to put. And if you can't, if you can't put away ten percent right now, put away two percent. Once again, just like we talked about with our physical well-being, don't start off and say, "I'm not doing anything. I'm going to run a marathon." Start off, "I'm not doing anything. I'm going to walk for thirty minutes a day." Same way with this. If you can't, if you can't give, put, you know, bottom line, we all need to be given to figure out a way to give 10%. If we can't give 10% to the Lord, then give the best that you can and ask him to help you get to where you can give that. Second piece of that is, is, is do the best you can 
and, and uh, try to pay yourself that 10% and then live off that 80%. Please, 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 whatever you do, whatever you do, live below your means. Live below your means. If you go to the bank to, to purchase a house, they'll give you a lot of money. They will. It's crazy how much they'll give you, even though you really can't afford it. They, they, they'll tell you that you can, so be real careful about that. If you, I always t- tell these couples, if you can afford a $150,000 home, buy a $100,000 home. You know what I'm saying? And, and be happy in that $100,000 home. It's all about contentment. Amen? Uh, next is generosity. Uh, I love this passage from 1 John 3, 16 through 18. It says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and, that, and we ought to lay down our lives for, for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet chooses his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? It says, Little children, let us not love in word or, or talk, but in deed and in truth. Isn't it true that the life of Christ is marked by His great generosity towards mankind? Therefore, as, as disciples of Christ, we too should strive to live our lives as, as a generous offering to Him and to others. I believe that uh, we need to be, we should seek to be generous in these following ways with our resources. You know, God has given us resources and our resources He's given to us to be good stewards of and to bring Him glory. God has given us those resources to be good stewards and to give Him glory. It's not ours. As I said before, you know, 100% of it is God's. Whatever it is He gives us, 100% of it is, is His. And He's just asking for 10% back. So, but it, it may not even be the financial piece. It could be how God's gifted you. That's a resource. God has gifted every one of you in here. He's gifted you with the spiritual gift. And your spiritual gift is to be used for the edification, the building up of the body of Christ. Don't, let's not be hoarders of those resources God's given us. The other is our time. I've often heard it said that time is spelled uh, L-O-V-E. You know, at the end of the day, uh, or love, excuse me, love is spelled T-I-M-E. Love is spelled time. If we love someone, we want to spend time with them. And so therefore, as we give ourselves and give of our time, because we love Christ, we ought to be willing to give our time in service to Him, however and wherever He chooses to call us to do that. It may be teaching a, a, a senior adult ladies Bible study. Praise God for doing that. You're showing love to those ladies because you're giving them time. When you prepare that Bible study and you deliver that Bible study, you are loving them through the Word of God. Praise the Lord. I think about you, Pastor, what you're doing with those students, man. You are pouring into them. And you're allowing Him to do that. Praise God. I mean, I know that's hard for you sometimes. Especially you got three kids. Bless you. I know that can be tough at times. And I know he appreciates that. But you're, loving, you're allowing him to love kids because you're allowing him to give his time to them. And that's a blessing. That is a blessing. Next is our attention. You know, just because we're present doesn't mean we're always present. And brother, if I could share something with you as an older man, um, there's a lot of times that I spent with my kids. I was physically present, but I wasn't really present. I was checking emails. I was returning phone calls. I was with them. I was carrying them around wherever because I needed to give my wife a break. But I wasn't with them. And you know what? If I could change something, I'd go back and change that in a heartbeat, man. You probably do a much better job than I do. But let me encourage you, brother. When you're with them, man, put the daggum phone away. Put it away. You know, you got great lay leaders back there that, that are probably a little bit different stage of life than you are that can probably come in and fill the gap some. Amen? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And then our forgiveness. Man, we have been forgiven. I think about myself, man. I tell you, that, that the testimony that, that, that um, um, Jamie Drew gave today was, oh my goodness gracious, man. That was powerful and strong. And, and like he said, all of us have different testimonies. All of us have different. But at the end of the day, we were all at one point lost. We were, we were separated from God because of our sin. You know, some, you know, sin is sin. Some of us did worse stuff than others. But at the end of the day, man, I think about that all the time. I am so grateful. I am so grateful that God saved me. Oh my gosh, may I never lose the, lose the joy of my salvation. I'm so grateful that someday, y'all, I get to go to heaven. I get to go to heaven. Where the scripture says, eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those that love him. This is not it, y'all. We're just simply passing through this. So my point is that because we've been forgiven much, because all of us have been, every one of us, none of us deserve, we've been forgiven much, we too must be willing to forgive others much. Well, lastly, I want to discuss our spiritual well-being. Um, uh, our health and our financial well-being are important. No question about it. We've talked about that. We truly can't be all that God has called us to be if we are, if we are physical wrecks and financial wrecks. You can't be. You can't. Because the enemy's going to try the enemy's going to try to get you. There's no question about it. The enemy's going to try to get you. And so therefore, if, if, if we are a physical wreck or if we're a financial wreck, we got bondage of debt and all that stuff, we're not going to be able to be all that we can, can be. However, I believe that our spiritual well-being is the most important of the three. See, if we're spiritually healthy, oftentimes, not always, not always, but oftentimes the other, others seem to kind of fall into place. You know, as spiritual leaders, I believe that it's often assumed that we live this super, these super spiritual lives where every day is a mountaintop experience with God. That's not the case, is it? That's not the case. Do you ever go through dry spells with the Lord? Anybody in here ever gone through a dry spell with the Lord? You know, what do you do? What do you do when you, when you go through one of those dry spells? What do you do? It gets harder and harder and harder. I think you, when you do, I think you just... It's, it gets in your heart and it just makes it harder and harder every day. Yeah. So how do you get out of it? What have you done? Prayer and making sure that I got back into the Word. Come on. I mean, yeah, just yeah. staying there until you love it again. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You keep doing what you know you need to do. Come on. Without the feeling being there. Yeah. Yes! Amen. You know, that's why they call it spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Because that's what they are. Sometimes it's discipline. There's days I don't feel like going to the gym. But I know it's the right thing to do. So I get up and go. And there's days when you're right. When, when, when you might not be feeling it, you know what I'm saying? But you just press in, don't you, brother? You just press in you grind it out. And the cool thing is God's always sweet. He's always there. He's never leaving us. We know that because He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. There's sometimes that, that we may feel that way and we have to kind of be in check, but at the end of the day, you just got to keep pressing in and pressing in because He is always faithful. He is always faithful. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's never going to let us down. Never. Never, never, never. I don't know about you. Sometimes God has shown me some of the deepest truth when I've just pressed in when I wasn't feeling it. My goodness, that's when it gets sweet. When he shows you something, you, know, you might have read a scripture how many times, but then you read it and he shows you something in there and you're like, oh, thank you, Father. Those little those nuggets of truth. 
So you're exactly right. We just got to press in. We got to stay the course, man. You got to stay the course. Stay the course. When I think about our spiritual health and well-being, um, some of the key components that, that help us thrive include our personal time with the Lord, Sabbath rest. Some of you are saying, what's that? I know. Witnessing and accountability. You know, personal time with the Lord, um, it's often called, you know, it's often called your, uh, your, you know, your quiet time. Uh, your daily quiet time, and, 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 and oftentimes it includes you know, Bible study, prayer, and scripture memory. Um, and, and I want to encourage, encourage you uh, and encourage me in here, because I'm right, I'm right here with you. you know? um, many of you study the scriptures to teach, and you're teaching God's word. Praise you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And continue to do that. But I want to encourage you to also study God's word just for you. I mean, just, just obviously I know you're studying because many of you preach on Sundays or preach on Wednesdays or you're teaching a Bible study on Sunday and you're studying that Scripture and you're faithful to studying that Scripture and continue to do that. But also sometimes just, just study the Scriptures for yourself and asking the Lord, Lord, show me what you want for, for, for me out of this. Prayer, um, I mean, really deeply spend time with, with, with the Lord and, and just, just spend time with Him in, in prayer and and. And then the other piece is, is, is scripture, scripture memory. You know, Psalm 119 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's not just for our, our uh, Bible thrills kids, you know. That's not just for our kids to do that. I, I really believe it's something that we need to continue to do. Because, you know, of course, nowadays, because we've got these things, we, 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 you really do have a Bible with you all the time. But there, when I'm out talking to people, sometimes I, I won't be able to pull out. So I need to have the Scripture in my heart so that I can share with them so that I can share with them and, and be able to share the Scriptures and take them to the truth of God's Word. So therefore, I think it's important for us to continually uh, memorize Scripture. To me, this is the, the daily non-negotiable time with the Lord. It's one of those deals where, you know, I just, I just can't get away from, from that. It's one of those things that you got to start... I was sharing with a group of guys the other day, it's kind of like brushing my teeth, you know. I, I, I don't... I wouldn't get up and get ready and get out the house and not brush my teeth. And you think, wow, that's gross. Why would you? Of course you wouldn't. Well, why would I get up and go out without studying the Scriptures? And I love what this Mark 31 passage says. It says, In rising very early in the morning, um, while it was still dark, He, meaning Jesus, departed and went off to a solitary place where He prayed. See, this is the vital discipline that, that, that must be the priority of our lives. Jesus Christ Himself, the Messiah, got up, and went off to a solitary place, and he spent time with his heavenly Father. If you guys know the scripture, the story behind that, the day before he had been healing people, he had been um, um, casting demons out of people, and um, um, he, you know, he had spent the whole day doing that. So therefore, this whole crowd arose, you know, crowd came, and um, and so that that next so that happened all one day. Then so that the night nighttime fell. So that that next morning, Christ went off and went off to a solitary place, and he began praying, asking God, "Where should I go next?" Well, a bunch of people showed up and said, "Man, we heard that you." been healing all these people and you've been casting out demons you've been you know doing miracles and he said i'm going to go over to the next place now that sounds like a pretty good thing to do but god called him to go do something else when we're in ministry oftentimes there's a lot it's all good stuff 
I mean, it's all good stuff. It's ministry. But God may be calling us to something else, but if we're not spending time with Him, how are we going to hear from Him? So therefore, the statement is true that we minister out of the overflow of what Christ is doing in our lives personally. So therefore, I think we've got to, we've got to spend time with the Lord. We've got to fill up our spiritual tank so that we can minister out of the overflow of what Christ is doing in our lives. I, I tell you, Alan Fatting, the executive director of leadership, excuse me, of the Leadership Institute said it this way. He said, ministry is, is the overflow of my abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, when ministry is the overflow of Christ's life in me, my service comes out of abundance. When I minister from a place of leakage, my service may well be the la- my, my last ounce or even the dregs. God means for my life to overflow with grace to others. This is ministry. He says, I sometimes visualize this as the difference between the drop that spills out of the cup of a full cup and the dribble that leaks from a crack in the bottom of a mostly empty cup. See, our daily time with God, where we study His Word, where we pray, we memorize Scripture, is vital to our spiritual well-being. We have to go to the well. We have to go to the well daily. It's that non-negotiable time with the Lord. You're on the front lines. When we send our troops to the front lines, we would never send them without, without weapons and, 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 and ammunition. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It's our weapon. That's our ammunition, that time in the Word within that prayer. So therefore, we, because we're on the front lines every day, it's vital, it's vital, it's vital that we spend time with the Lord and, 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 and to, to really help us in our spiritual well-being. Next is another important and often overlooked part of a healthy spiritual well-being is, is making sure that we observe a Sabbath of rest. The fourth commandment is, is uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Um, the rest of the passage says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day of the Sabbath is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Love what pastor and author Mark Buchanan, uh, he, I believe he captures the essence of this, the, what the Sabbath is in, this, in, his, in the book that he uh, authored called The Rest of God, Restoring Your Soul by Restoring Sabbath. When he said, now listen, he said, in a culture where busyness is a fetish and stillness is laziness, rest is sloth. But without rest, listen, but without rest, we miss the rest of God. The rest he invites us to enter more fully so that we might know him more deeply. Be still and know that I am God. Some knowing, listen, some knowing is never pursued, only received. And for that, you need to be still. I'll read the rest in just a moment, but being still is hard sometimes. And it, I know for me, because I'm a doer, I, I like checking boxes, man. I love checking boxes. And so being still before the Lord is tough. But he calls us to this. He calls us to have a Sabbath rest. And then he says, Sabbath, now listen, Sabbath is both, is both a day and an attitude to nurture such stillness. It is both time on a calendar and a disposition of the heart. It is a day we enter, but just as much a way we, a way we see. Sabbath imparts the rest of God, actual physical, spiritual rest, but also the rest of God, the things of God's nature and presence we miss in our busyness. I'm blessed to have Fridays off. Uh, we work Sunday through Thursday. And so therefore, when we can, 
uh, we are allowed. We have Friday and Saturday off, and um, um, I'm grateful for that. Now, as we all know, ministry rarely happens when it's convenient. You know, uh, and there's oftentimes we get calls because we're never off the clock, really, and that does happen. That does happen. Uh, but it's really important that we try to guard that as best as we can. And we've put some things in place. Um, um, we have what's called a pastor on duty. So we kind of rotate that around. So if something goes down. But now, but at the end of the day, if it's one of my leaders or one of my key people, I'm going to respond as I want to because I love people and I love them. But it really is important that we, that we sanctify, set aside, aside some time for holy purposes for us to rest. Because I, I always, I always um, uh, implore this to my staff when I'm teaching. Ministry is a, is a marathon, not a sprint. Okay? And so therefore, it's important that we always grasp that. I want you in the long haul, brother. You know, you need to be in it for the long haul. And at the end of the day, if we burn the, the, the candle at both ends, at some point, the check engine light is going to come on. And if we keep ignoring it, at some point, it's going to stop us. So it's vital. It's vital that we take some Sabbath time. Take some Sabbath time away from these things. And I don't just mean the phone calls. I'm talking about all the other junk that goes with it. It's important that we take a Sabbath rest from that. And therefore, I want to encourage us all to try to do that. Whether we like to admit it or not, we are not finite beings uh, who have limits, uh, who who don't have limits. Taking uh, one day a week for a Sabbath day of rest is not only vital for our spiritual spiritual well-being, it's vital for our our physical well-being as well. Love this quote from Vance Havner. Vance Havner used to say that Christians should imitate Jesus and come apart before you come apart. I wish you would. Um, This is tied to tithing as well. If you think about uh, there's 168 hours in a week, 24 times 7. 10% of that is rounded up 17. You add 7 hours of sleep, you get 24 hours. So in the same way that 10% of our income is a way to say to God, hey, I'm trusting with my finances, 10% of our time is a way to say to God, God, I'm trusting you with my calendar. You know that there's more to do than we all have to do, but it's a way to say, God, I trust you to take care of that. So I'm gonna, it's, it's tithing your time as well. That, that, that hit me one day. Yeah. Thank you, Brother John. That's absolutely right. Amen. Amen. The last two spiritual disciplines in developing a healthy spiritual well-being are witnessing and accountability. Love this uh, Proverbs passage. says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. Uh, as believers in Christ, we have been given the greatest news of all time that we must be willing to share with others. Saw a statistic, uh, gosh, a couple years ago now. It said that um, 60%, 60% of the state of Georgia is lost. That's the Bible. We're, not, we're the belt buckle of the Bible belt. I mean, we're not just the Bible belt. I mean, there's, there's a church on every corner. 60%. If Jesus came back today, 60% of the people would be lost and would be damned to hell. It's, it, that's why it is vital. It is vital that we live with gospel intentionality. There's something I do every time I meet with my ed team uh, on my agenda. I have an agenda and the second to the last agenda item is says gospel conversations question. And I ask them every time we meet, I go around the room. Have you had a gospel conversation recently? Have you had a gospel conversation recently? Because I want that to be on the front of our mind. Now, obviously, like I said, I've got the gift of evangelism. So I'm, I, it's more natural for me to share the gospel with people. But that doesn't excuse. I don't have the gift of mercy, but I still need to be merciful. Amen. So at the end of the day, I want to hold our people accountable that we've got the greatest news of all time. 
the greatest news of all time. I'm so grateful that somebody shared the gospel with me and I got saved because it radically changed everything. Everything. So at the end of the day, it's vitally important that we live with a gospel intentionality. And, and so I challenge my team. Not only do I challenge them with, have you had a gospel conversation? I've asked them to pray daily for lost people by name. List the lost people. I keep a journal because I'm so ADD. If I don't, I'll be off every place else. So I keep a prayer journal. In my prayer journal, I got the names of lost people. And I'm praying for those lost people by name. And then I ask the Lord, not only do I pray that they'll come to know Christ, I ask the Lord, Lord, might you give me the opportunity to share the gospel with them? And then I also ask the Lord for divine appointments. May I never be so busy that I miss a divine appointment. Because lost people, if 60% of the church is lost, or excuse me, 60% of Georgia is lost, there are lost people everywhere. And it is so very, I mean, it's easy to begin a gospel conversation. You just got to begin talking to people and asking God to put lost people in your path. And I promise you, He will do that. He will do that. And then next, I, I share with my, my team and I share with you, each of us, as, 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 as the redeemed of Christ, we need to be able to share a personal salvation testimony. And we need to be able to articulate the gospel. I mean, we all have a testimony. We've all, you know, if, you're, if, you, if you've been saved, you've got a testimony. So we need to be able to share our personal testimony. Matter of fact, we did a training uh, where, where we, 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 we trained how to share a personal testimony. We, we call it a 15-second testimony. And we just share with people. We, we, you know, and I, I coached them up, and I, I share my testimony all the time. I tell people, you know what, um, uh, is it Justin? Dustin. 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 Hey, Dustin, there was a time in my life that I felt empty and afraid. But you know what? I met Jesus, and I surrendered my life to him. Now I have peace and hope. Do you have a story like that? I mean, that's so easy. I, can you tell me how many times I've talked to people about that? I did it to the, to the um, I had a pizza guy come deliver a pizza at my house. Uh, and, and he dropped the pizza off. And I had a little thing on my door. It says, as for me and my house, we, we serve the Lord. He said, oh, you go to church? I said, matter of fact, I do. I do go to church. And I said to him, I shared my personal testimony. I said, do you, have a, do you have a story like that? And he said, you know what? I don't. He said, but I mean, I, I, something's going on with me right now. I can't even tell you what's going on. So he handed me the pizza. I shared the gospel with him. That brother got saved right there on my doorstep, man. Yeah. And the point is that, that they're everywhere. We just got to be ready for when God <laughs> sends them to us. And we got to be willing. So we got to be able to share our personal salvation testimony. And then we have to be able to articulate the gospel. I'm almost done, guys. We'll be out of here. Um, finally, we need accountability. Each of us needs someone in our lives that we can be transparent with who loves us enough to call us out when we need it. I'm grateful I got some brothers at church that, that bottom line, they, are, they ain't afraid to call me out. And I, and I need them to call me out. I've been saved a long time. I've been walking with, with the Lord a long time. I am still an idiot at times. I do some stupid things and I, I need somebody to say, brother, come on, man. Come on. And, and I welcome it. So I would encourage each of you to seek accountability for, for uh, if you're a pastor from another pastor or minister uh, who's in vocational ministry. If you're a lay person, I want to encourage you to, to get with another lay person. Obviously, we want men with men, men and women with women. I know that, uh, that we, we've covered a lot of ground this afternoon, and I hope you'll find something in here that, that maybe you can put into practice that will help you grow and thrive as a leader. Uh, but I, I just want us to end with this right here, this little passage of Galatians. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Don't give up the good fight because, man, we are in it. We are in it. And we've got the greatest news of all time. We've got the elixir that cures everything. It's Jesus Christ. And we've got to be at our optimal, uh, our optimal selves physically, financially, and spiritually in order to be all that we can be for the gospel. Questions? Let me pray. Father in heaven, thank you for saving us. Oh, God, thank you so much that you 
and your sovereign grace chose us, Lord God. We are so very, very grateful. Lord, I thank you for each one in this room. I pray that you would undergird and strengthen them, Father. I pray that you would continue to buoy them. I pray that you would give them great encouragement, Father, that they would be able to keep on fighting the good fight, Lord, for your glory. Father, I pray that you would bless every ministry that's, re that's represented here and every family that's represented here as well, Father. We just love you and praise you. I pray that as we leave this place now and go to wherever we, where we're from, Father, I pray for safety. Help us to return home safely, Father. I pray for just phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal day tomorrow in all of our churches, Father. May, may we see many lost saved tomorrow, Father. Why not? Maybe even tomorrow we would see a harvest for your glory, Father, we pray. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, guys.